doing it live on a Tuesday. Bo Bishop coming to you from Hudson, Ohio. Johnny Ginter coming to you from Columbus, Ohio. My friend, yes. uh, we've got a lot to discuss. And what I wanted to start with today, we'll get to the draft and we'll have some fun with that and and how some of the Buckeyes landed and some of them landed in great spots and I think will flourish. And we'll get to that and have a little fun with that. But I wanted to start with uh, the continuation of a conversation I started probably, f- I would say, five years ago uh, when I was doing the radio show in Columbus. and. It was when we were somehow Rothman and I in the middle of the summer got in it's summer, right? So you're just coming up with nonsense because right. it's the summer months. And we were trying to decide the true value of Urban Meyer, right? Like what what should he get paid? And it led me to we we got into it, we started talking. I said I said Urban Meyer is drastically underpaid. Urban Meyer is worth uh twelve to fifteen million dollars a year easy to Ohio State. Uh, in revenue and interest and everything when you when you take the big picture look at it. And a lot of people said that was crazy, and and maybe it was. I don't know. Um, I tended to think Urban was actually worth that, um, and we'll get into some of the specifics of that. It, the reality is, and the reason we're talking about it now is, that's where we are now. Nick Saban today, um, it was announced, got a $4 million signing bonus. And so this next year, he will be paid $11.1 million to coach the University of Alabama football team. He will be the highest paid head coach in sports in North America. Okay. Not, not college sports. He's higher than Belichick. He is the highest paid coach in sports in North America. That's... And I don't know if there's anybody in the world that makes more than him. The only people, maybe like Pep Guardiola at Manchester city or something crazy like that. Somebody that has big pedigree. Um, but 11.1 million to coach college football at Alabama. How does that sit with you? I mean, he's worth it. I mean, honestly, like that, that's because, and I agree with you. I mean, when you're talking about college football, this isn't like, you know, NBA basketball where the coach is essentially the best player on the team, right? Like Alabama lives or dies on Nick Saban. And if they believe that's how much he's worth and that's how much it takes to keep him at Alabama and maybe not listen to more overtures from the NFL or anything like that, then he's worth it. And that's an absurd amount of money. It is absolutely a stupid amount of money in terms yeah. of just like raw dollars, but it makes sense in the, you know, in the arena of college football because that's what he's worth. And and frankly, he could be worth even more than that because again, Alabama was nothing before Nick Saban. They could not, you know, they're not getting championships. They're not getting all these kind of like deals, you know, on TV and all this other stuff. I mean, it, he means everything to them financially uh, at least in terms of how much the uh, football program is making so yeah they can throw whatever number at them they want it'll probably be justified you know what it it even goes beyond sports everything's about sport the sport part of it is right athletics it's right goes beyond that though um it goes to academics as well and it goes to uh the amount of don- uh, donations that roll into a school. And right. I, I saw this uh, firsthand at two schools that I covered, that I spent the most of my career covering, and that was Florida State and, and Ohio State. And at Florida State, um, in, in the, in, when Bobby Bowden got it rolling in the early 90s, um, Florida State became a destination for kids in the South who wanted to go to school someplace cool. All of a sudden, they want to go to Florida State. Um, and it became, if you remember, in the in the late '90s, mid mid to late '90s, Florida State was the number one party school. It was the, it was anytime you heard about what's the coolest, it was always Florida State. Go to Florida State. It was because of the football program, and because of the football program, the donations started rolling in because 
there can only be so many people who throw money at a football program. Then they still got to start throwing it at other things. So they start throwing it at academics. They start throwing it at the other sports and the donations roll in. And then with that, the requirements to get into that school, Florida State used to be a clown school and it's still not Florida, but it's better. Um, Florida State has continued to grow and grow and grow academically. And it's become harder to get into. The exact same thing happened at Ohio State when Jim Trestle was hired. Now, you know the history of this better than me, so stop me if I say something foolish. But <laughs> it's my understanding that Ohio State, if you grew up in the state of Ohio at one point or another, if you grew up in the state of Ohio, you could get into Ohio State. Yeah, Trestle. that's you had to have a, basically a valid high school diploma and you were good to go. Okay, okay. So that's the way I understood it as well. And, and that carried on for many years, correct? Yeah. Okay. Although, I mean, through the 90s, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So Jim Trestle gets hired at Ohio State. Ohio State wins a national championship in 2002. And Ohio State becomes cool. Really cool. Everybody wanted to go to Ohio State. Now, to get into Ohio State, what are the requirements? <laughs> Pray. 15 years later. Hope you get blessed yeah. by the Pope. Like. Right. Ohio State has become... I mean, if you look at the boost, look at where the money has been thrown around Ohio State, whether it's Wexner who just you know, throws the money at everything. Um, but it's not just him. It's the Cavelli family. It's all these families that have all this money, Schottensteins. They don't know what to do with it. And Ohio State became Ohio State became the cool place to go to school. It wasn't just like, hey, if I can't get in here, I could always go to state school. Well, that's not what Ohio State is anymore. It's hard. I want to say it's like 29 on the ACT. Minimum? Yeah, that's like average too. I mean, I that's average. Okay, yeah, you yeah. know better than me, so jump in here. But the requirements are very steep, correct? Well, yeah, and here's what I would say about that, just real briefly. I I don't know necessarily that you know sports is what kind of was the impetus of that. I I think in the early 2000s, I think there was a cross the board effort to upgrade Ohio State as a state institution, not just academically and athletically, but they they wanted everything working in concert. I mean, I think Karen Holbrook would probably be a good indicator that maybe sports wasn't the driving force behind it. Um, but on the other hand, I also completely acknowledge that, you know, Jim Trestle raising the profile of Ohio State certainly did not hurt them in allowing, for instance, the, uh, you know, the, the athletic department to be really independent of everything else that they were trying to do. Uh, the yeah, endowment of Ohio State like supply and demand, right? It's because right. Sport, and the, what sports does, and, and look, at this has happened at Alabama. Yeah, uh, this is what, what we're discussing has happened at Alabama. Alabama is a clown school. And because since Saban has been there, kids want to go to Alabama. Yeah, this is a true story. My former boss, John F. Wolf, um, huge donor at, at Ohio State, his son went to Columbus Academy, his grandson went to Columbus Academy. He went to Alabama for college <laughs> because of the football team. He wanted to yeah. be around a big time Southern football team. He was an intern of mine. He came back, but he went to school at, at Alabama. He didn't go to Ohio State. He went to Alabama. Now, why in the hell would he go to Alabama? The only thing he knows about Alabama is that they have a good football team. That's it. Yeah. But nothing else. I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing yeah, else. Not I've been to Tuscaloosa. Side department or anything like that. No. It's a football team. Right. And I, I think for a school like Alabama, I think that that is definitely, you know, Nick Saban means more to that university than I oh. think. Jeez. You know, or well, and, and here's here's what I would say about that. So I, I do think that for a school like Alabama, especially like I don't think you can I think you're dead on when you say how much a guy like it, Nick Saban can impact the overall yeah. fortunes of the school in general, just because that's all they really have going for them in, in a lot of ways, like geographically, even 
Like the advantage that Ohio State has is that you're already in a really large city. You're kind right. of in a central, you know, location in a large state in terms of population. You've got a lot of things going for you in terms of business and other types of connections that you don't really have to foster and worry about too much just because of where you're at. Tuscaloosa is not drawing all these Fortune 500 companies and all these other people. No, like no, 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 no. you need a guy like Nick Saban to do that and to help pump up your your university. Yeah. So I, you know, I totally agree with you on that one, at least yeah. as far as Nick Saban's concerned, because. He is a singular figure there, and they will do anything they have to do to make sure that he's happy and he's going to stick around. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so then that led me to, so Nick Saban's making 11.1. Yeah. His, he, today, his offensive, or his, his linebacker coach, who, was gonna, who apparently had offered to be defensive coordinators places, re-signed at Alabama for $900,000 a year. <laughs> uh, this is what's amazing. This is the price of, of big-time college football. Yeah. They're going to play the game. So yeah. if Nick Saban's making 11.1 and Jim Harbaugh's making nine, well, then Ohio State owes Urban Meyer a raise. That's, yeah. that's it. That's the reality. That, that, this is the price of doing business. We would all acknowledge that Saban is the best at doing this and Urban is second. I think most people would agree with that. Right. Or it's real close. I mean, it's one and one A. It's, it's negligible. You could, you could even argue Urban's been more successful because he's won everywhere he's gone and Saban hasn't. But that's a topic for a, a mid-July podcast. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the, the reality is, is that urban is, is going to have to get in that 10 range because that's, that's the price of doing business. So when is, it's, when is this contract officially up? When is urban Meyer? Well, the- you know, Saban's contract isn't up either. I mean, they just extended it for well, the right. it. through right. like 2024, just for the hell of it or 2025, something like that. I mean, they just did it just to make sure, like, in other words, coach will always be here. Like they felt like it was the right thing to do. And I'm sure that Ohio state will do the same thing with urban and give him a big bump. And it, it, this is a topic for another show too, but it doesn't, it's not lost on, he should get his money. They should all get their money, but it's not lost on me that they get that and the kids don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that if they sell a Jersey, they're suspended for four games, like that there's right. no money to pay the kids. And yet these coaches can make $11 million a year. Uh, that's not lost on me. It's not Nick Saban's fault. This is the business. He's a professional. The kids are amateurs. It's the way it is. It's free, essentially free labor. It's, it's a crazy thing to wrap your head around. But um, I also think, but, I also think that's going to reach a tipping point. Uh, you know what I mean? Because people are going to yeah. see that and go, this is insane. This is, and, and look, as much as I can't really stand Darren Bell, and we talked about this, I mean, when people were making comparisons to how much, uh, Nick Saban's making versus how much you know Bear Bryant was making in terms of cost inflation. I don't have a problem with Nick Saban making that much money. I yeah. do think it was a lot easier for people to ignore that players weren't getting paid or aren't getting paid when the coach wasn't making you know thousands of times more than what yeah. the stipends are for these uh, for these students. So I, I think at a certain point they're going to have to take a look at that and go, this is clearly you know a lot of people taking advantage of. I mean, it's always been that, but it's going to become more even obvious how much these players are, uh, you know, giving and not really getting back. Yeah. So let's take it a step further. Um, and, and let's say you said tipping point, And I think you're right. Um, and I think we saw the first crack in the tipping point last week. And we touched on this uh, briefly with the ESPN layoffs. And you'll hear a bunch of people talk about the layoffs were cord cutting and the layoffs were because of ESPN's political angles. It's, <laughs> cord cutting is part of it. The political angle is next to no part of it. Right, um, that's nothing. That, that's nothing. It has nothing to do with it. Um, the, the biggest factor is, is ESPN has overpaid for its rights fees. Right. Substantially so. 
they pay an absurd amount of money um, for the NBA. They paid an absurd amount of money for the SEC and for the ACC and especially the NFL when they get these Monday night games where the matchups just aren't great. And now, you know, when they were trying to get Monday night football, the idea was that they had the only primetime game, right? Well, now there's (laughs) Sunday night, Thursday night. I mean, everybody's got a primetime game. Monday night football is not Monday night football anymore. So they didn't even, what they bought um, wasn't even what they thought they were buying to begin with. Um, But that rights balloon bubble will burst because the business model doesn't make sense anymore. ESPN since 2013, I just saw this. I want to double check this number, but um, ESPN lost about 10, uh, I want to say it was 10 million subscribers. That sounds um, right. Yeah. I think it was like 10 million, 10 million subscribers in the last uh, since 2013. Um, so that's a, that's a loss of um, about a billion dollars annually in subscription fees. ESPN in 2017 will pay $8.1 billion in programming costs. $8.1 billion <laughs> in programming. Absurd. So when they lose a billion, that they feel it. And um, I just read this on, uh, actually, oddly enough, it was on Alabama.com, and they were talking about how Conference USA went from making a million one annual in TV money. Their deal expired in 2016. This next year, they're going to make 200 grand each team. So instead of each team making a million one, they're going to make 200 grand next year. And that's where they're going going forward. That's, that's big. I mean, that's that's enormous. So the first power five school whose deal is up, ironically enough, is ours. The big 10 deal is up in 2022, I think. Something like that. 2022, 2023. It really doesn't matter for the sake of this conversation, but it's the first one up. The SEC deal runs through like 2034 and, uh, it's like a 20-year rights deal or something that, that the SEC has. But the Big Ten deal is up. Um, it, it's up in the middle of the, of the next uh, decade. And it will be fascinating to see if there is money to pay the Big Ten Conference the way that there has been. Because they're not going to get the same deal. There's no way. I mean, the bubble is in the process of bursting right now. Like I, I cannot that's fathom. That's it. Yeah. We're, we are at... We are at the tipping point, right? right? I mean, it's just about ready to burst, and it's coming quickly. Um, and I'm with you that it, we will be at a point where this money will all go back. I, I, I predict that you will not see coaches making a this. It's not going to forever go up and up and up and up and up forever. Um, no. It will. It will revert. It will have to because the money's going to going to dry up. So well, if you're going to try and buy, you know, if you're going to spend like crazy, spend like crazy the next five to seven years, right? because <laughs> the money's going to go away after that. And that's really what's driven all of this is the TV money. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's my why we have Maryland and Rutgers. Right. And that's my point with this is that I think what they've done, especially the Big Ten, I mean, you've seen it, like you just said, adding Maryland Rutgers, trying to expand their, their TV footprint. If that money isn't there, I don't know what their other revenue streams are. Like, they're going to have to get really creative. And honestly, they're going to have to, like, these conferences are going to try to figure something out that these stations, these, these not stations, but these networks haven't figured out themselves, which is how to, you know, get revenue out of a system that, you know, is based on subscribers and based on an old cable system that is just not going to exist anymore. Um, I, I think that is Ohio a huge thing. Fine. If you, what, I think what will happen, Johnny, is it'll go pay-per-view. Yeah, and if if you're Ohio State, you're fine because you'll be able to. Sure. Ohio State will be able to produce their own games 
And that's probably what will happen is they'll produce their own games. They'll have their own hosts and play-by-play and color and all that. And they'll produce their own games. And they'll charge 50 bucks a game for people in Ohio to watch them. And they'll they'll studio fine. Um, but at that point, then you have to wonder about the viability of conferences. Right. Because why would Ohio State share that money? Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, it's one thing to share the money uh, with with Rutgers and Maryland because theoretically they give you well, I mean they do they give you value in bigger markets and so the Big Ten Network got in bigger markets and there was some money to be made there short term but long term that it's going to disappear um, and and what is going to how are you going to incentivize Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, maybe I mean there's like five six in the league that would be able to uh, still make I think a, a pretty good amount of money on pay per view. But it's all going to be football. I mean, that's it. I mean, you're not going to. Would you pay fifty bucks to watch the Ohio State basketball team play its non-conference schedule next year? Again? No, I would not. Not right now. <laughs> no, and you're not alone. Most people wouldn't. So this money's going to start to revert uh, in a very big way. Yeah, it's it's just going to be really interesting to see how these teams try to keep up in these conferences because it's it's it feels like something that they would have a hard time adjusting to. And that's not going to be good, I think, for football in general. I think you're going to see several years where it's just up and down, not knowing where to see a game. Uh, and people are going to be PO'd about it. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, if if ES, ESPN has known this is coming for the last 10, 15 years, right? I mean, they're smart people at ESPN. I think we would I mean, all hope so. <laughs> yeah, they, they, would, they have known this is coming, and I don't think they know what to do. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think they know they're what to do. completely lost. So, so the <laughs> idea that that colleges who handle things the way that colleges do. I mean, think about how inept sometimes Ohio state is handling a crisis. I mean, (laughs) right (laughs) now they're going to, now they're going to be the ones determining how they make their money. I mean, records are coming with a plan to save everybody. We got it. We're good. No, it's a, so it's, it's real. Um, so my advice to urban would be get on the phone with, uh, isn't his agent, uh, old boy down from Gainesville, the Florida guy, old Florida guy. I I remember. I think that's still his agent, the guy who went to UF. Um, get on the horn and say, you better call Gene because we got money for a few more years and we better make it, boy. Because it's yep. going it's to, it's, after that, it's going to disappear. And it's, yeah. uh, it's going to be the Wild West. Um, and get in the offseason while you can, too. That's the other thing. You never know what's going to happen next year. So, no. Ride high. Take it. Absolutely. So that's something worth monitoring. Uh, so I want to discuss that, my friend. And then the sec- next thing I want to discuss uh, was the NFL draft. Um, what when you think back to the NFL draft, where Ohio- look, before we get into this, let me ask you a question. And I'd be curious, uh, uh, people who listen to weigh in on this as well. When a, when an Ohio State football player leaves Ohio State, if they do not go to your favorite team, do you pay attention to their career? Because I found when I was on radio that most people didn't that they were just basically waiting for them to retire and come back to Columbus, but they weren't like, following <laughs> the Rams because James Laurinaitis played for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the player. It depends on the player and the position. If it's a defensive player that you, you know, like let's say they're a linebacker or a defensive lineman, you don't hear their name called all that often in a game. Uh, probably not. Um, if it's a offensive player that, you know, gets a lot of touches and whatnot. Yeah. I'm going to follow that. Uh, if you're like, you know, a next level player, like a Joey Bosa, and you're doing all kinds of crazy things, I'll follow that too. But, you know, unless you have a really stellar NFL career and you're not on the team that I root for, I'm probably not going to follow your career too much. Unless you're Corey Lindsley, in which case I will follow your career until uh, <laughs> the day you retire. Whatever happens. A lone exception to that. 
it's funny because I, in, in the NFL now, my priority is um, my fantasy team, right? Yeah. So I watch the red zone. My right. next priority is probably the Cleveland Browns because I live up here now. And so I pay attention to what they do. And, you know, when I, when I pinch it on the radio up here, when my time allows, I, I want to be able to have some clue of what, what the hell's going on with them. And then right. my next loyalty would be to my kids' teams. Um, so like they'll bop, try to get their games in if I can, but yeah, Ohio state players on are down the list. And I, I found that when I was in Columbus that really, you know, unless they landed on, you know, that's a Browns and then a Bengals town and then Steelers, unless they were on that team, there just wasn't, it's not like you were clamoring to watch them play. Um, so it's, it, that is an interesting part. Um, okay. So now that we've covered that and I'd be curious if you, if, if people, you know, write in, let me know if you, if you do follow these guys once, you know, in terms, I mean, really follow them, like watch their games, make an appointment viewing to watch, you know, Zeke Elliott play for the Cowboys or whatever, if you're not a Cowboys fan. Um, as, as you look back on this draft to me, from an Ohio state perspective, this, I mean, Ohio state really dominated the draft, even though they didn't have the amount of kids that they had, they dominated the storylines. Um, it was really stunning. Uh, the, the biggest was the Malik. It started, the first storyline was Malik Hooker because um, there were all these opportunities for teams to draft him. Marshawn Lattimore, too, to a lesser extent. But Hooker was sitting there at 12 for the Browns. And we <laughs> find out via Mike Silver's story about Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson really wanted him. I wanted him to be to play for the Browns. And the Browns traded out of it and ended up with uh, Jabril Peppers, of course, which is the even the bigger twist in the whole thing. Um, but between Malik Hooker, uh, Marshawn eventually goes to the Saints at 11. Um, but then Gary and Connolly, the Connolly Hooker, that really was, the, that, that was the two of the five biggest storylines in the first round was Malik Hooker falling and Gary and Connolly getting picked in the first round. Right. I don't, and I'm not really sure why team soured on Malik, just, you know, even just a slight bit. I mean, I think his body of work should speak for itself. I do think it's so incredibly appropriate for the Cleveland Browns to trade out of a pick, trade oh. down, and then pick a worse player from the same position that they could have gotten uh, from Ohio State. That That is like, that is just so beautifully, quintessentially Browns. Like, I just, I love the fact that they did that because I saw it coming from a mile away. I was talking to these Browns fans like, no, no, they got it this year. I'm like, you have, no, they don't. They never do. You got to stop. Dang it. They're going to do something stupid. It's just a matter of time. They got the they got the first pick okay. They figured that out. Then they needed a quota for dumb crap, and then they filled it admirably uh, by doing dumb stuff in the second part of the first round. So congratulations to the Browns. You've done – you've Stunning. met our expectations admirably. I was so disappointed. Like, I was going to go get Malik Hooker jerseys for the boys. Like, I was ready to go. <laughs> I mean, my man crush on Hooker is pretty well known. And I, I mean, I was ready. a fun player to watch. Like, He's such a brilliant player. Like, I thought, how much fun would it be to have Miles Garrett chase the quarterback and Hooker at free safety just chasing down balls? I mean, right. and now they got Peppers. And <laughs> what are you supposed to do with any Whatever. Uh, but anyway, so Malik Hooker to me. And then Gary Conley, who, from what I can tell, I mean, th- this was crazy. Like, you're watching the draft. And it, the word gets out that he takes a lie detector in the, you know, two minutes before, I think Bill Rabinowitz had the story uh, with the dispatch that he basically finished the lie detector two minutes before the draft started. Yeah. That's yeah. just, can you imagine what, the, and then even more stuff has come out about this. It started, it started was he, you know, there was a witness who said he never touched her. And now the reports out today were that that was consensual sex. Like what a mess. Yeah. Um, you know, this is going to be, but, Hell, he's a first round pick, right? Yeah. And and so 
He the Raiders were satisfied. I talked to people at Ohio State who I trust, and they vouch for him. So whatever that's worth. Um, but it, this was a guy who leading up to the draft, Johnny, there was talk um, that he would not be drafted. Right. Well, I mean, round. but that just goes to show like the NFL does not care about anything <laughs> insofar as you can help them win football games. I mean, that's it. That's literally it. And I, I know there's a lot of talk about like, yeah, we'll get tough on like abuse and all this other stuff or. You know, there's other things that should scare teams off. It doesn't scare teams off. Like, they don't care. They only care if you're a good football player. And I'm not saying that Conley did anything, or I don't. I have no knowledge of that. But right. the, the fact that for any other job, right, any other high-profile job like that, that would immediately disqualify you from getting said job. Uh, the NFL just doesn't. It's not a priority. Yeah, and we're it, good. Yeah, we're good. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah they don't worry about it. They're fine no. with it. And you it's saw safe. that with the Bengals and Joe Mixon. Like, it's it's fine. It's right. just, oh, it's just, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing I want to talk about. Like, the Bengals and stuff. Like, people are ragging on the Bengals for, you know, picking up Mixon and picking up, you know, what round did he go in? Second round? Third round? Something like Second that? Second round, yeah. Second yeah. round. And, and people are, you know, getting on the Bengals for doing that. I got to tell you something. If he was still around in the fourth or fifth round, some other team's picking him up, right? Like, what is the criteria? This is what makes me mad. What is the criteria? for not picking up someone, right? Like, oh, that was only a third-round punch, right? Like, he only beat up oh. that woman to a fourth-round yeah. level. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not about the morality of what these people do. It's about the fact that you don't want to look bad for doing, like, picking them up. And it's it's, what, what, it's what type of stomach does your market have for it? Exactly, right. There's We're no morality. We're seeing with Kaepernick right now, really, because the reason Kaepernick's not signed has nothing to do with talent. It's it's a political, social thing, and some a lot of these owners just don't want to touch him for whatever right. reason. I mean, you know what the reason is, but they don't want to touch him. But there's some places where Kaepernick could play, and it wouldn't cause anything, and there's other parts of this country. Like, he couldn't go play for the Houston Texans. That's not going to sit well. Right. Um, you know, so that's you know that's part of it. And I think the same is true for, uh, you know, look at the teams who who picked, you know, guys like, that were in these situations with Conley. I mean, this is the Conley thing is the one thing about the Mixon thing. I mean, what happened uh, was, it was atrocious, but it was, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been years. It's it's been a while since it happened. Um, This Conley thing happened within the last two weeks. Right. And there's, there is no closure to it. (laughs) None. No, the first round. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about, you think about, and again, Everything that I've heard on Connolly is that this doesn't fit his MO, that he's right. not this type of dude. That's from people who I trust. Um, again, for what it's worth, everybody can be fooled. Um, but the if you think about the Oakland Raiders, pick Connolly up. The Bengals with Mixon. That Caleb Brantley kid from Florida was the Browns. Yeah, and that was I mean, just that, I mean, that was just a couple months ago, right? Like right. All of these are instant. All of these teams, especially the Raiders and Bengals, have a history of doing this. Yeah, I mean, this is what they do. You know, they give the they do this stuff. I mean, they they are the home of second chances. Both of those teams historically, um, so it kind of fits the mo. Um, I do. Th- it really is. It's what can your market stand to a man? If you put these owners on a lie detector test and said, "Would you want Joe Mixon?" All of them would probably say yes. Yeah, because he can help me win. But the question is, can my market stand it? Like, yeah. you would never... Joe Mixon's not going to get drafted by the Patriots. He's not going to play in Boston. He's not going to play in New York. You couldn't play... He couldn't get play for the Jets or the Giants 
But the fact is, in the Cincinnati media market, it'll be fine. As long as he doesn't screw up again, it'll be fine. It'll be yeah. a problem when he goes on the road. But in Cincinnati, it's not going to be a problem. It's no. It's not. I mean, you know, Pac-Man is still chilling out there doing stupid stuff. And like sure. people, you know, they'll shake their fingers at him like, oh, Pac-Man. But it's not, it's not an issue. And for me, that's what kind of bothers that's what bothers me about the whole narrative of it because it's it's not like we want to pick on one team but i i got to be honest like it's not about the individual team it's just about whether or not the people want to hire that person and they all want to hire those people like you're saying like it's it's not the nfl to me just has made no real substantive change in how they approach these types of issues and they want to pay a lot of lip service to the fact that they're trying to change and that they're trying to be you know more no. proactive but it's not you got to change the the ownership and the attitudes of the ownership and that's that hasn't happened they're the same guys they don't have a different attitude right. about that kind of behavior uh they just want to get no, away no. with it easier no no um so i mean that if yeah, i'm with you on that it it's just what can you stomach and and you know those are the teams that typically do stomach those things um a couple other no, uh, notes around as you look at the buckeyes drafted um i just love curtis samuel's situation in oh, Carolina yeah, playing opposite McCaffrey with Cam and Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, he's just going to have a ball playing in that. You know, that's a second-round 40th pick. I mean, that's a great spot for him. Uh, Raekwon going to the Dolphins is um, – that's just such a wayward organization. I was hoping that he would have ended up on a little bit of a – because you can disappear there a little bit. That's a kind of a tricky market. Um, he'll have a ball in South Florida, obviously. That's yeah. one of those places where if you have money, it's an awesome place to live. Um, and so he will, and, and he'll have a hell of a life, but, um, that's just kind of, you can kind of disappear there. It's interesting to me, Johnny, how the saints have become kind of like Ohio state South. I mean, the last couple of drafts <laughs> with Vaughn and Mike and now right. Marshawn Lattimore going to the saints, obviously, um, they felt like, uh, urban told them the truth on the guys they drafted last year. So they were excited to get another Buckeye with the 11th pick and fill a need, uh, in Lattimore. Um, I'll, I'll breeze for a couple of these real quick. Elfline, he'll start for 10 years for the Vikings to me. And um, Noah Brown to the Cowboys, you know, seventh round. I get a lot of this, like, oh, what a mistake. What a mistake. And I, you know, what I said is like, seventh you know, maybe he was just sick of school. Yeah. Maybe Noah Brown was just sick of school. Maybe he was done. And he'd already had a catastrophic injury. Like, he didn't, maybe he didn't want to risk it anymore. Maybe he just wanted to try, you know, like, I mean, that happened. It was different, little different circumstances, but that was a deal with Heartline a few years ago. Like, he just had had enough of college. Like, he was done. He didn't want to play another year with Terrell Pryor. You know, like it was it's been there long enough. I don't know how much Noah Brown's improving his stock necessarily by staying another year, even that. I mean, like a lot of these guys were undrafted free agents and things like that. And and for him to get drafted, I mean, it's still it's still a draft, you know, it's still, you know, guaranteed money. So I don't I mean, not necessarily guaranteed money, but you're getting paid. So I just I don't know. I can't blame a guy for doing that, especially if you've you know put in your time at Ohio State and, and done what you need to do. So. While I agree that it, he probably could have had a better second half of the season and, and maybe uh, you know bumped up his uh, paycheck a little bit, I, I don't I don't see anything really wrong with him doing that because no. you're right. I mean, some guys are just done. They're just I'm like I'm out of here. Yeah, it's been it's been a good run. Let's get the hell out of here. I don't need I don't need Urban yelling at me for another year. Um, <laughs> right. the, the overriding right. theme, of course, is that starting with Mark Pantone, the ambassador of cool, Mickey Marotti, strength and development. Urban Meyer and his staff, you have a football factory, the likes yeah. of which we just have never 
I mean, this is we have had a hundred years of great football. We've never had anything like this. Um, with now back to back to back. I mean, these drafts just keep rolling with multiple first rounders. I mean, it's Alabama and Ohio State are the only ones who can do this. Um, the other thing that struck me, and um, this, uh, I'm curious your, your 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 thoughts on this. Michigan tied Alabama for the most kids drafted, right? Yeah, and they didn't beat Ohio State. <laughs> So if they didn't beat him last year, when will they? Oh, I mean, God. you think about that. This was his year. Yeah. And look at all of those Michigan kids. And they didn't beat Ohio State. I, they had a ton of talent drafted. A lot of older guys, obviously. Not a lot of the people who kind of left early. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's the problem. I think that's the har- problem that Harbaugh faces is that He's dealing with a veteran Ohio State team, which, granted, I think Ohio State's going to lose a ridiculous amount to the draft, you know, in 2018. But yeah, it's it, he's playing from behind right now, and yeah. he's going to have to develop some guys really, really quickly, and hope that some of his new guys are going to be better than Urban's new guys. And that is a hard Good road luck. to hoe. <laughs> you know, like that's Good not luck. easy. It's hard to out recruit and out, you know, yeah. uh, develop Urban, especially in the off season, especially before the season starts. So I, I just. Yeah, that's that's rough for Harbaugh. Um, you know, maybe maybe the time in Rome gave him some secret sauce, and he oh, for God's and... sake! <laughs> I will Take say this about: him. I don't know what in the hell he's doing. I mean, he's doing a pretty good job recruiting. It's it's all fine, but that is the craziest damn thing in the world. And then if he's saying he's going to Rio or South Africa, like I don't know who oh, is yeah. paying for all this. I have no idea who's writing the check for all of this. I'm sure it's probably an easy Google search away, but it's sure. just a tr- it's a fascinating play. Absolutely. I don't know if kids will find it appealing. I mean, I don't know if like would a kid from I mean, I think about some of these kids for, that I, you know, that I covered when I was in the South, like and I know they're trying to get to those kids in some of those spots. Like would it be, would you would it be appealing to them to go to Rome or Rio? Maybe not. But I think part I mean, it of it might is not just- be. Yeah, it may not be, but I got to say something. I, I think part of it is honestly just Harbaugh enjoying himself and enjoying trolling think, the NCAA. Like, I think that's honest to God. I think that's, that's part really of it. cool. It's just like, I'm going to stick this in your eye and I'm going to be ridiculous and, you know, stick my face in cardboard cutouts and try to explain football to refugees and just be insane. And he's going to enjoy himself. And, and frankly, like, more power to him. Like, I don't care. I think that's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't quit him either. I love him. I just, I, I adore him. He's the best thing to happen to the rivalry. Um, yep. You know, so I'm thrilled about it. I love that he's sticking it to the NCAA. I think you're exactly right. Um, he's having the time of his life coaching Michigan. It's like he's living out of childhood dream and he's just going to live it to his <laughs> fullest. So I'm for it. But it's, I mean, he had a ton of talent on that team last year. They didn't beat Ohio State. So that's not a good look. No. Um, all right, my friend, uh, do we have some Ask Us Anything today? We do. We have a number of Ask Us Anythings. Uh, sorry we weren't able to get to them last time, but we do want to make sure that we uh, hit them up today. So if you want to ask us anything, um, you can send us an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com or uh, hit us up on Twitter um, at, or excuse me, yeah, at 11dubcast. Um, okay, so we've we've got a number here, but I want to make sure that we we get through them and, and knock them out. And if I skip any, please let me know here. Um, this first one's from Alvin. He's you know listener of the program. He says, "Who gets to the second round of the playoffs first? The Browns, the Bengals, or the Blue Jackets?" Oh, Blue Jackets. Yeah, I, I, I mean the only thing that hurts the Blue Jackets is they're in the toughest division in hockey. I mean, the three best teams in hockey were in the, three of the four best teams in hockey were in the same division. So that's yeah. the stupidity of Bettman's playoff system. But 
Um, yeah, I, the Bengals to me, they just they had like a moment there and they just drifted. And then the Browns, I mean, even if they did this draft great, they're going to win three games. They're just so far. I mean, it's not till like 2020 that they're competitive. So, yeah, I would think the Blue Jackets would have a chance next year to get to the second round. What say you, sir? Yeah, I agree. The, the Bengals are regressing. They didn't address their offensive line problems uh, in the draft. Uh, and the Browns, I mean, 2020 is optimistic, sir. I appreciate <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just it. Like, it's hard, though. It's interesting up here, Johnny. Like, people up here, they think, like, if they have a great draft, they can turn it around in a draft. Oh, and I'm, I, I, I keep saying that. about that. Every Browns like, fan thinks they're going eight and eight after the draft. Yeah, it's and I'm like, no, no, Absolutely they were hilarious. one in fifteen. They yeah. were one in fifteen. Yeah, like you understand, they were one in fifteen and still do not have a quarterback. Yeah, you know? and they won like in the last week of the year, the second last week of the year, right? Like that they're, was they're gonna first. they're gonna they're gonna win three or four games. I mean, yeah. that's and any and the other thing is is there's there's a part of that reason is the media up here uh, they sell false hope. And it, it pisses me off because it's not honest, um, but they peddle false hope to this fan base and, and they build up players who are, do not deserve to be built up. Yeah. Um, but look, this is what the one thing I'll say about the Browns is they have a plan. They have a plan this time and it appears that they're sticking to it and they have a lot of assets and they can use those assets over the next couple of years. But this will be a long road. Yeah, I don't. I I do not have any optimism. The Browns are getting anywhere close to the second round of the playoffs anytime Dude. soon. Bengals are going to regress. I would be surprised if they even got to the playoffs this year. So Blue Jackets, I completely agree. Um, this is from James, uh, kind of talking about St. John's Arena. Uh, mm-hmm. St. John Arena. Uh, do you think the decision to save it last year was an indication in OSU's long-term plans, or was it just kind of delaying the inevitable? Sadly, to me, you'd have a better feel on this than me. To me, it feels like delaying the inevitable. Yeah, the biggest the biggest mistake that Ohio State made was in, was instead of building Shot and Scene Center, they should have just refurbished St. John. Um, they right. should have just modernized it. Um, is what they should have done because it's spectacular. I've seen one game in there in my life, like a real game, and it was uh, uh, just a totally different experience. <laughs> and um, and so it's a shame, but yeah. I think it's just delaying the inevitable. Sadly, yeah, yeah, James. James is kind of asking, like he says, like, does Ohio State have plans to renovate it? Uh, would moving back to it be a silver bullet for the program? Look, I, I, James, it's gone. Okay, yeah, like, sadly. it sucks. It Look absolutely what they the money they threw in the shot, like for the basketball facility, all yeah. those practice facilities, all that crap. And the thing about the shot, Johnny, is there's nothing you can do to make it cool. Yeah, no, Done. It's, it's just it's it's basically a giant like Walmart. I mean, that's what it feels like. It's just not personal. It's too big. Fans are too far away from the, mm-hmm. the court. It's not, yeah, it, it's this it big like multi-purpose, you know. It looks like it was half-assed to me. I always thought that. Like, the, there's all this visible concrete. Right. Like, I mean, you, you compare that to Nationwide Arena. Oh, yeah, no, it's not even close. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's not even close. And come the on. fan experience, like you said, isn't very good. It's just, it's, it's not an Ohio State venue i guess is the no. way like it has no it doesn't feel like it's you're even on campus when you go there and that's no really- it's terrible yeah it's like, like oz you remember the hbo show oz that's what i always thought it was like a prison there's no <laughs> windows everything's yeah. dark dingy i mean it just it stinks it's terrible yeah. and ohio state stuck with it for the next probably 40 years so that's good um yeah. <laughs> uh this is from kai's he says what is the best city to live in outside of ohio if you're a buckeye fan Oh my 
God. The two that jump to my mind are uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Scottsdale, Arizona. I was both about have, to say Scottsdale, yeah. Both have enormous Ohio. So it just depends if you want desert or ocean. Both have enormous. Um, I know the guy, Jack, who runs the um, the Broward County um, Ohio State Club. Great guy. Um, huge, huge game parties. Um, they're great. I mean, like South, the South Florida Buckeye clubs are just awesome. I'm sure the Naples one is good too. Um, mm-hmm. and then Scottsdale is enormous. So I think those are, I think both of those are in the top five in the country of Ohio state alumni clubs. Agree. Uh, Columbus Clippers, great franchise or greatest franchise. <laughs> Irrelevant franchise. No, I mean, there, I gotta tell you something. Like, I gotta tell come you something, on. Right? I love going to Clippers games. I, I, no, I love don't. minor league. No, you don't. No, you don't. You I like do. going to yes, Huntington Park. You like going no, to Huntington I, Park. Look, I love. Did you go to the you go to Clipper Stadium. Wait, the old one. Yeah, I never had the opportunity to. I never lived. Okay. There. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, you like going to Huntington Park, and you like <laughs> having a drink and looking at a nice view, and a baseball game's going on in front of you. I. That's what you look, like. You do not I love the Clippers. Know. You do not I mean, love the Clippers. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> No, you know what? The reason why you're if right. You're, if you're because... going to go run out to that old Clippers stadium and watch AAA baseball, then I'd say, okay, fine. You love the Clippers. But <laughs> it's my guess that you like AAA. And it's fine. It's a beautiful stadium. Right. It's downtown. It's something fun to do. It's actually, here's a little tip for you guys out there. You can take like your people, like my wife. She had as much fun going to a Clippers game as she did oh, like going to like, a Pirates yeah. game at PNC. Because the games are relevant to her. She just wants it. It's basically just a porch with a view is all she wants in the sun. That is 1,000% correct. Yes. Yeah. So the the games are relevant. So, I yeah, okay. So here's the reason why I completely agree with you on that. I know a 1,000 people who claim to be uh, huge Dayton Dragons fans. And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure you did not know that they existed until you realized that, like, you could chill out on, you know, a Sunday afternoon. And Dragon Stadium, yeah. and just you know, drink about four beers. So I, I I'm with you on that yeah. one. I think you're it's the you, menu. You take that accurately. Yeah. Um. All right. Who's? I, we're gonna try to bust through these. Who Who was uh, gonna be this year's special team star? Who we're gonna get? Oh my gosh. Demario McCall. I, I, I'm just your return punts gonna be great. Can we just answer everything, Demario McCall? We can. And he. And actually, the next question is, who will be this year's fan favorite? Also, Demario McCall. So there you go. Demario Perfect. McCall, especially if he gets uh, a single digit. Guys, remember what I said. If he gets to fall camp and he and they give him a single digit, then they think he's going to have a big year. If he's yeah. still in thirty, like he was in spring football, then he screwed up at some point this summer, and he they do not expect him to have a big year. Yep, book it. Good, good call on your part. Uh, this one's from Jesse. He wants to talk about how many. So we complained about you know Bengals and Browns not drafting Ohio State players. How many should they draft? Should they should they go after all these guys, or should they try to just be selective and maybe pick some of these stars? No. I would I would say start with Joey Bosa. How about that? I think that might be a good one. Yeah, last last year the uh, the, the the Cleveland Browns could have had Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas. Right. I'd rather have them than Corey Coleman, and I'd rather have Joey Bosa than Miles Garrett. Frankly, yeah. um, I don't. They, of course, they shouldn't just draft Ohio State players, but I also feel like both of especially. I can't speak to Cincinnati as not much because I don't know their organization as much, but I feel like Cleveland like goes out of its way to avoid it. I mean, they haven't taken an Ohio State player since Brian Rabisky. Yeah, which is insane. And even before then, there was like de- like over a decade before they picked somebody. I mean, last I checked, like these kids that Urban recruits are good pros. Right. Why would you yeah. avoid them? Last year they didn't even go to pro day. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't know what the reasoning is. Like that, it, it boggles my mind because if you're talking, if you're operating the assumption, and we kind of talked about this at the beginning of this, but if you're operating under the assumption that, you know, an NFL team does everything they can to win and they'll graft anybody who they can to make themselves better, whatever their backgrounds, you would think that the Cleveland Browns would not be aggressive, you know, about not drafting good players. So I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the impulse is there. I don't understand the reasoning. Um, it's just completely backwards from what you would expect out of an NFL team. It's just, it's stupid. Um, and as a Bengals fan, like I think I find it funny, but (laughs) you know, if I were a Browns fan, I can understand why you would just, you know, want to just dunk your head in a vat of acid. So I said last year before the draft on the air here in Cleveland, I said the Cleveland Browns should take the best available Buckeye at every position. Yeah, take the no, best I, available I Buckeye at every position, and I got so much crap about being an Ohio State homer. They're not going to be that good. And I said, "Well, I'll, I'd, I'd bet the Bishop has stayed on Bosa, Elliott, and Thomas being very good." Well, not only that, but it's going to be better than whatever plan that they draw up. That's that's right. the thing like, about what have it. They done, like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like that's I mean, it's the best, same thing about it. Yeah, it's one of the three best programs in the country. If one of their players is up and they fill a need, I would go ahead and take them. It's not brain surgery. Like it, no. that's they overthink it, or they're just maliciously, you know, evil against their own fans. Both sure. of which I think are equally likely, but yeah. it, it makes no sense to me. Uh, all right, last one. This one's really convoluted, but we're gonna try to keep it short. Imagine trades were legal in college sports, and all these players were immediately eligible. If Villanova offered rising junior Jalen Brunson their 2016 first team All Big Ten point guard for Tate Martell and running back Antonio Williams, what would Gene Smith do? He'd take In it. other words, if we could get a really good basketball player yeah. by trading away some potentially decent football players, would we would we do it? Should we pull the trigger on that? Well, we would pull the. I would pull the trigger on that because um, because I don't know that we're going to need Tate Martell. <laughs> so <laughs> right, um, I would pull the trigger on that because I would rather have you know a competent basketball team to watch in yeah, i think ohio state's farm system is deep enough to to take that hit i think yeah 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 the better question the more interesting one to propose there would be like would gene smith trade um like jt barrett and oh gosh give me i'm trying to think of somebody else that would just be like an untouchable on the defensive side of the ball uh like sam hubbard that's kind of what i was thinking probably sammy would would he trade Sam Hubbard and JT Barrett for Kentucky's incoming recruiting class? Now that is interesting. I don't. Th- yeah, I'm sure that's that, the game they want them to play, though, right? Because that's Ohio State's. Like they want to be the best at both. They want the revenue sports to be the best in the country, and right. I guarantee you, he'd do something like that. Yeah, because and honestly, he's like, well, Thad Mata's going down. We need players, but Urban Meyer right. find five other dudes. They'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. So Sam and JT. For whatever Calipari's recruiting class is this year, I think he'd do it. I think he'd absolutely do that. Yeah, could. yeah, because the football team would still be fine. You'd still have 108 thousand in there every game. Yeah, nobody and care. Joe Burrow and Haskins, they wouldn't be JT, but they they'd be fine. Right. Yeah. So that's probably the more interesting one. Like take yeah. take Ohio State's best football players away for a great recruiting class, and I think Gene would do that. <laughs> I think I think he's probably trying to find a way to do that. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not trying very hard. <laughs> Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> because they're not, not getting much right in basketball right now. Yeah, that's true. Um, so there you go. That's Ask Us Anything. We try to get caught up. I appreciate uh, you, you guys being patient while we did that. But uh, yeah, keep sending those in. 
All right, good stuff. Uh, please rate us wherever you uh, wherever you listen to the pod. We do appreciate it, and we'll be back next week for more fun.